Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, um, welcome to the show. We have a lot going on this week, don't we? Busy, busy week for sure. Busy week. <laughs> you know, the markets are all over the place, unfortunately. Um, you know, if we're... We're in correction territory, or were you know this week a couple points. So we're going to talk about that, but um, but uh, but you know we got the Super Bowl, the run up to the Super Bowl coming on here. It is just what two, almost two weeks away. Yeah, from, from it's Sunday. Really exciting. We got the playoffs. Um, the um, semi championship. Yeah, playoffs right before, right before on, going into on Sunday, we yep. got. Uh, what is the Bucks are playing? Um, I think the Bucks are out, so it's going to be the oh, Chiefs. Right. Yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, four four great teams. I don't know if you watched any of the games last week, but I mean they were just down to the wire. Pretty they were much all of them. they were great games. They really were. Yeah, we got the Bengals and the Chiefs and the 49ers playing the Rams mm. all this Sunday yeah. um, to see who goes to the Super Bowl. But uh, but yeah, they were amazing games. I couldn't believe they all ended up coming down to the wire like that. And um, yeah, it was. It's exciting. So interesting yeah. time of the year for football for yeah, for NFL. It is, and if you don't like football, then at least the commercials uh, can can get you through the Super Bowl. I mean, those are typically <laughs> right. typically good. You know, some of them aren't too good. Yeah, but. who can enjoy some of the commercials right. that they pay? You know, yeah, millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pull up those numbers this year, yeah. but uh, <laughs> and there is a lot going in the market. Um, unfortunately, it's been very you know topsy turvy, ups and down, up and down, and. Um, mostly down this month um so we are going to talk about um that quite a bit you know today we're going to talk about market corrections what do you do you know is there anything you should be doing mm -hmm. now that we've kind of are in this market you know correction territory this week and and uh this month so um we'll start off with that and then we're going to follow that up with another article about robin hood yeah, and this is uh, how Robinhood investors have reacted in the past and how that has fared for them uh, up to this point. It's a really interesting article from the Wall Street Journal that we'll touch on near the end. Yeah, so all about investing today. Um, <laughs> by the way, I'm Steve Marvin. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 26 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. My name is Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner and I've been in a, an advisor here at the firm for almost four years now. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Um, our podcasts are up every Friday morning. Um, so you can go there to our website, um, moneymd.net, or you can find us on iTunes. You can listen to us every, every Friday anywhere in the world. And check out our website. We have a ton of information there, um, tools. We have a financial planning tool. Um, we have all our past shows there you can look at that are listed by topic. Um, so lots of, lots of information out there, and we'd love to hear from you, too. You can link to us. You can send us your questions, and we'll talk about those right mm -hmm. here on the show. That's right. All right, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. And this is a really interesting, just looking back, um, you know, 40 years or so, but the largest capitalized individual stock in the U.S. reached $3 trillion back at the beginning of January of this year. 40 years ago, the total market cap of all stocks in the world was $2.7 i.e. there's not a cap on the stock market. Um, so we really have to be diversified and keep investing. Yeah. This has since dropped. This is Apple. Yeah. This has since dropped um, You know, the last couple of weeks with, with large caps really taking a hit. But still, that one company larger than the entire economy, the market back 
just 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, to have a $3 trillion company is unthinkable. I remember we seems like we hit a trillion dollars with the biggest company just maybe 10 years ago. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, and so now $3 trillion. But yeah, it's pulled back 10% this month. Right. Again, that kind of speaks to diversification, why you need to be diversified. Anything can happen to one company. And, you know, Apple's been a high flyer. Um but then there's Netflix that's down almost 40% yeah, this is, month. Is you know? <laughs> so, right. so it can be brutal. You want to stay out of one company. You want to diversify. That's that's really the moral of the story here. But yeah, interesting fact that uh, one company can get that big. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what happens over time. That's so right. very interesting. And speaking of investing, um, that leads up here to our first topic, uh, Matthew. And that is... Um, you know, market corrections, as we know, um, the market has gotten a little nervous in the past few weeks and mm -hmm. has now kind of dropped into correction territory a couple times here just this week. Um, and, you know, markets are down now anywhere between 8 to 15 percent, depending on which index you're looking at as of midweek this week. And, um, you know, with the Fed, you know, taking a more aggressive stance on on stopping bond purchases and raising interest rates, this really has the markets on edge. Um, in particular, I mean, the prospect of higher interest rates has some companies kind of lowering their forward guidance on profits, and that really is killing some of these tech stocks that have benefited so much from this mm. pandemic um, over the past couple of years. Yeah, there are a couple of obvious questions that people are asking related to this correction. And one question is, you know, will it get a lot worse um, and turn into a bear market from here? Um so that's an obvious question. The other question is, you know, should you be doing anything given this pullback? Of course, you know, those are two very important questions. So we're going to dig into those separately. Um, but we might as well, you know, get the first one out of the way. I mean, you know, will this market get a lot worse and turn into a bear market? The unfortunate answer to that question is we don't know. You know, I mean, it could always get worse, but... You know, it's a little hard imagining it's turned into a bear market at this point. Yeah, and first, you know, we do have to consider the fact that historically most bear markets are accompanied by a recession. So technically a recession uh, is two quarters of negative GDP gross domestic product growth, and a bear market is defined as a 20% or greater drop from the market high. Recessions normally start with a period of low and slow economic growth, which eventually uh, slips into negative growth. However, there's really no, um, no indication and we're really not near a point of low or slowing growth. GDP growth uh, was about 3.5% last year and it's projected to be strong this year as well. Uh, we still have a very um, hot, very uh, robust housing market um, and we have a pretty low uh, unemployment rate as well. So it's really hard to imagine um, all of this turning negative uh, turning uh, into negative growth this year, which is, again, normally what accompanies a bear market. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And having said that, I mean, it's certainly possible things could change and turn more negative quickly. You know, if the Fed got a lot more aggressive about raising interest rates this year, it might trigger another leg down or, you know, earnings rapidly deteriorating um, for U.S. companies. That would certainly affect the market. However, I mean, this really looks more to me like an ordinary correction, which you know tends to drop for a month or two before starting to recover um, over another month or two or three. Um, and you know, we <clears throat> we we have almost one correction of a ten percent drop 
every year on average. Wow. Um, so this really isn't unusual at all. I mean, we've seen that, you know, uh, we haven't seen that really since the pandemic back in 2020, a couple of years ago. So we're a little overdue for a mm-hmm. correction, quite frankly. Um, and so if this ends one, one ends up being no more than a 10 or 15% correction, then I would expect it to start getting better in a few weeks, if not sooner. So you, you just really don't know. Yeah, it is interesting. We often do overlook just the frequency of these corrections, but you're right. It's about once a year, which is right. just when it happens, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, we plan for that. We expect that. Exactly. Uh, in general. So the question really is, what should you be doing in response to this kind of market? Uh, we can't change the market. So what's our response to the market? Should you be selling what you have left before it's too late or going more conservative? How about changing up your portfolio to something defensive like dividend stocks or maybe preferred stocks? Should you bail the first time markets go back up a little before a second big down leg? Uh, Then there are those who say, well, let's sell everything off, pay the mortgage and batten down the hatches. The truth is that history shows us that no one knows where the market is going to go next and no one can time it consistently. That being true, then all these moves are not likely going to help uh, since timing is difficult and really can be expensive if you get it wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. And do keep in mind, I mean, markets are always, always have a better chance of going up statistically than they do going down. Right. Markets are up about three quarters of the time. And that's true even after a big leg down, like we've experienced this month. And it's true even after a, a good month right. in the market. You know, it really doesn't change that fact. So markets are on your side if you're in the market, if you're out of the market, if you sell, you know, the, the odds are against you. That's right. So you got to keep that in mind. So, but what are the moves you should make during a down market like this? You know, as humans, we kind of have this strong urge to be proactive in a down market, feel like we have to do something to help, you know, the, and the good news is there are some constructive things you can do, um, in this kind of market. And so here are five things, um, that investors need to do as a correction plays out in the stock market. And the first one really is just take a deep breath and, you know, review your long-term plan. You know, it's tempting to tinker with your portfolio during a down market like this, but history and research shows that this shouldn't be your priority. You know, in fact, I mean, you should practice the art of patience, take a deep breath, review your financial plan for the future, as markets go down, I mean, it's usually both constructive and encouraging to review kind of where you are in relation to your long-term plan. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure if you look back over the last few years, you're still in great shape, right? Because, right? right. I mean, the market has been really good over the last few years. So take a look at that big picture, you know, and don't lose sight of that. You know, it may be, <clears throat> um, you know, worse than it, it may seem worse than it really is because it's easy to forget how bad things felt you know, the last time markets were down. However, corrections are completely normal, as we just mentioned. You know, this happens every year or two. So take a deep breath, refocus on your long-term goals. Realize that this too will pass. Markets historically recover in only 105 days from an average correction of 10 to 15%. Yeah, the second one is to add to your accounts. That's right, add money to your accounts when the markets are low. Um, you know, it, this provides an opportunity to buy stocks when they're on sale. And, you know, how often is a stock on sale 10 to 15%? It's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to uh, buy more shares. It only happens, again, once or twice a year on average. So statistically, this is a great time to go shopping for investments. Yes, it may head lower from here, and there's no way to tell that or to time that. However, 
when you are sitting here three years from now, the odds are great that you will think that that was a terrific opportunity to buy low. So you know, our encouragement would be, hey, if you have extra cash on hand, stop hoarding that money. And maybe you know, if you have um, the available, again, available cash or liquidity to put it in the markets, now is, is a reasonable time to do that. That's right. And, and you can go a little more aggressive if you went more conservative, say in your 401k right. plan a year ago, um, then now be a great, great time to, to move back up into a reasonable growth allocation. You know, it's not easy to take more risk um, than you're comfortable with, and you don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you've got to look at your time horizon. You've got to consider where you are, where you want to go in your long-term plan. And, you know, if you're in a too conservative portfolio for your long-term picture, now it's probably a great time to reevaluate your risk and move a little bit up, you know, back into the, the long-term allocation that right. you really should be in. Um, and along with that, make sure you're diversified. You know, it seems foolish to have, to keep mentioning this, but, you know, investors simply fail to diversify. You know, they own a lot of their employer stock in their 401k a lot of times, or they are loaded up in one particular sector like large growth, which did so well last year. Well, now is the time that you really want to be well diversified. So, you know, when markets do recover, you get your share of that recovery. Mm. Um, So, I mean, how many people were loaded up on technology stocks in 2002, back 20 years ago, when markets started, you know, uh, started to recover? Um, You know, I can't tell you how many times I sat down with people back then who owned a, a, a portfolio that was of technology stocks that were just decimated. And the NASDAQ, it didn't recover back to 5,000 um, again until about about 15 years. Wow. So you just can't afford to be caught up in a portfolio um, that's not diversified when things start to recover. So make sure you're well diversified in 8 to 12 different asset classes um, in your 401k and all of your investment accounts so that you have the best chance to recover when markets do start that recovery. That's right. Another one is to rebalance your accounts. Now may be a great time to rebalance your portfolio. For example, if you have emerging markets in your portfolio, it's probably down much more than most other markets. So if you started off with, say, 8% in emerging markets, it could be down to 5%. So well, you know, buying into that you know, the additional 3% to get you back up into that target allocation could be a really good move. Because um, we do see these these asset classes going uh, in cycles, we see you know some doing well over a period of time and others doing well other, over other periods. So making sure you're reallocated to your target allocation is is good. A market correction is a great opportunity to sell some of your portfolio that has held up the best and buy low into the worst performing asset classes in your portfolio. Yeah, that's right. Rebalancing takes some discipline because I mean I know it's difficult to make yourself buy more of something that has dropped a lot. Right. Right. Um, but. You know, rebalancing is designed to do just that. It's designed to make you buy low and sell high. So if you have automatically rebalancing available in your 401k, then set that up so you don't have to make those decisions every time. Um, Rebalancing is simply a discipline technique for you to buy low, sell high, and it keeps you in the correct risk level so you don't get loaded up on Hmm. something that's done really well, you know, last year or, you know, in recent history. Research shows that rebalancing tends to improve your return over time as well. So just make sure you do that. Um, and then the last thing here is to be patient. You know, I mean, patience truly is a virtue in rough markets like these. 
Um, you know, the correct move oftentimes is to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of patience and discipline. Um, you know, no one knows how this correction is going to play out in the economy and the markets, you know. And But watching these ups and downs in the markets every day and analyzing every tick, you know, is simply not healthy or helpful mm-hmm. for that matter. At best, it's going to cause you some anxiety and, and you may lose sleep. So, But at worst, it will entice you to make some poor emotional decisions. So when markets are turbulent like this, you know, you oftentimes you simply need to tune out the financial media and just practice some patience. It will work itself out in time. So take these prudent steps to check your plan, your portfolio, and then, you know, leave it alone. Let it work. I mean, now mm-hmm. might be a great time to just start a new hobby that doesn't involve reading financial yes, news. Might be a good one. <laughs> so, all right. There you go with the market correction and what to do now. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. And this is a really good question. I actually got this question from from one of one of our clients um, a couple of weeks ago. But it says, "Should I max out my Roth IRA or pay off debt with extra cash?" And um, you know, like we do um, with with our clients, you know, looking individually, looking at a personalized situation. Um, you know, there's never one answer that fits just a broad swath of people in general uh, with with when it comes to these questions. But you know, in general, we would say, um, you know, paying off debt. In general, in general, is a good move. So, if you um, are younger, this person was in her mid 30s, had a significant amount saved for retirement uh, already. Then, yes, it was okay. Let's let's pay off the car loan, and then if you have extra after that, we can put that more towards investments. But in general, you know, paying off debt is something we would we would recommend. It's it's a financial move, but it's also just a, an emotional and psychological move. Is when you pay that off, it can just provide a, a weight that's lifted from your from your life and from your family, that can be can be very good. Yeah, definitely will lower anxiety. I will add, though, you know, if you're, I mean, everybody's situation is different, right? And so if you're 50 years old and you haven't saved for retirement yet and you still have credit card debt or still right. have consumer right. debt, you know, you got to learn to walk and chew gum at the same time, unfortunately. So you need to get with your financial planner and you need to come up with a plan to be totally out of debt by the time you retire and save enough for retirement to fund your retirement so you may have to do both, mm-hmm. you know, um, so you can't wait forever uh, by paying off debt. But but that certainly is our priority to get consumer debt paid off. Right. Um, so certainly if you're a young person, you got to focus on that. Get your match in your 401k plan, but 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 also pay off, pay off debt before you start doing a lot of other investing right. outside of your plan. Mm-hmm. So Great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is Robin Hood investors, how they robbed themselves um, here in the past year, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and this is, an, this is an interesting article. It's from the Wall Street Journal. Um, this was um, a little over a week ago. But, um, you know, herding into the same stocks made novice investors feel like geniuses for the large part. Um, but the party is over, and it was a predictable outcome. Uh, following the crowd works until it doesn't. We have seen recently that um, what we've seen recently is a new generation of traders who are getting their tips from social media and influencers and using apps like Robinhood to choose stocks. And they're learning that following what individuals have to say does not always turn out the way they would like, which is, you know, astronomical returns. That's what they want. It just doesn't. Doesn't always turn out that way. Yeah, I mean that was the the term, I guess, crowdsource investing. I think I've heard before. You know, it's um. Following the crowd, I mean, it's great when it's going in the right direction, but, you know, eventually, you know, if you follow the herd, 
you know, they, they can run off a cliff. You know? right. <laughs> and so you got to, you got to, uh, it's not the way to invest. It really isn't. Yeah. Back in 2020, when millions of young people opened brokerage accounts for the first time, you know, while they were sheltering in their homes from the, from the pandemic, it seemed like nothing could go wrong. I mean, even some legendary investors, you know, could do no, do no right. Um, you know, a Twitter account, um, whose name they don't mention here, you know, they, they poked at the most revered investor of all times, you know, and to his millions of Twitter followers. And they said, you know, I'm sure Warren Buffett's a great guy, but when it comes to stocks, he's washed up. <laughs> I'm the captain. I'm the real captain now or something like that, you know, and it just wasn't anecdotal. I mean, um, this, this writer, Noah Widener, um, he's a writer of business as usual, uh, newsletter and, and now a member of the editorial team at, at stock stock twits is what he called it. <laughs> Quantified the effect by, you know, creating his hypothetical Robin hood top 100 fund. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, and it was an equal weight index of the top stocks that most were held by Robin hood customers. And, and it did phenomenal in 2020, you know, in hindsight, right. It gained 101%, you know, in 2020, about six times what the S and P 500 did, but the story doesn't end there. I was going to say, you could probably guess, you know, the progression of this article where it's headed, but you know, Robinhood has since curtailed the data it shares, but this gentleman, Mr. Widener has been able to keep track of some of it manually. And what some contend is part of the, the toolbox that, um, that Robinhood uses is this fear of missing out. Robinhood tells customers what others are doing on the platform. So they have a list of funds that shows the top funds that are being traded. Interesting. The, the results are not pretty. Many stocks that join the top 100 lists after strong performances at some point um, in 2021, uh, such as Robinhood itself actually, um, have faded sharply. Um, Robinhood shares have lost more than three quarters of their value since peaking shortly after it came, it went public. On average, those 27 stocks are down 21% just this month as the date of this article uh, was aired. But it just shows it's, okay, we're following, you know, what people are successful at. Maybe it's GameStop, maybe it's anything else, any other individual company. And then at some point the party ends and you're caught um, with that stock that's now not doing well. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a very turbulent, turbulent strategy, no mm -hmm. doubt. And, and then there are the stocks that fell off the list. I mean, for example, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, um, you know, dropped out of the top 100 after lagging the markets in 2020, but it has since appreciated very handily and outperformed the market well, dramatically. So, you know, but they dropped that off their list, of course, because it's not out of, out of vogue with the right, Robin Hood investors. Right. And so have, you know, several exchange traded funds that are tracking crude oil, you know, that had slumped badly in 2020. Those drop off the list and those have, have beaten the market. And then firms like, you know, Wells Fargo that slumped in 2020, um, they kind of round out the list of these shunned by Robinhood investors. And clearly, though, at the regret of the shareholders because they've, they've way outperformed, you know, the top 100. That's right. Robinhood wouldn't share data on actual performance of its customers. But this gentleman, again, his calculations show that crowd following behavior helped them and then hurt them. The latter outcome was baked into their behavior as influenced by the investing app. And what it basically means is if you have success in this, you're more likely to say, oh, well, right. I can actually do this. And then you're less likely to sell or to change your philosophy when something happens. So um, it, it just generally does not turn out well. 
Um, this article also notes that inexperienced investors are more likely to be influenced by what others are doing um, and traded disproportionately. And because trading is so frictionless on this app, they tend not to rely on critical thinking as much as more seasoned investors. They also trade much more frequently, about 40 times as much per dollar in their accounts compared with a customer at Charles Schwab based on data from early 2020. So just a mm. massive amount of of trading that happens on this platform, on these platforms that people are doing, it, it does signal that, hey, they don't necessarily understand the markets and, and that's not how you build wealth over time per the per the data. Yeah, it's just gambling, you know, at a high frequency rate, you know. It's right. like walking around with a casino in your hand with your 100. phone app, yeah, you know. Right. It's just it's just not smart long term. Yeah, I mean this frictionless trading, you know, may appear to be a plus for investors, but it actually promotes kind of a hurried way of investing, you know. It's kind of akin to trying to win the lottery through quick untested means rather than building wealth over time. And this can hurt your portfolio's performance, but it can also kind of affect your life outside of your finances with, you know, mental marital stress, anger, greed, um, depending on how your stocks are performing. Um, yeah, I remember um, sitting down with a client um, not too long ago um, whose husband had passed away, and she found out that he was doing a lot of trading mm -hmm. on one of these apps, you know, and I think it, it might've been Robin hood, but she also had Coinbase, he had mm. Bitcoin and all these other things. And turns out that had really put some stress in their marriage. Okay. Um, because, you know, she realized that he was doing all this stuff behind her back, you know, it was just kind of a, it was kind of an addiction. It wasn't a, it was, right. it was like a gambling addiction almost, you know, that had, had affected their, their marital life and their family life. Mm. Um, but yeah, a better approach would certainly be to use mutual funds, not fret over the daily volatility of the market, you know, and 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 um, you know, and even stick with you know the kind of tried and true philosophy of you know even ninety-one year old Mister Buffett, you know, and that is slow and steady wins the race, right. you know. Don't don't try to be the rabbit, you know, and and run really fast and uh, but but yeah. yet run out of steam. That's right. Yeah. So the key takeaway from this article is that while it may seem profitable uh, to look at someone's success that they share on social media or, or to you privately, it, it is risky and unproven to follow someone's advice on picking a single stock in the market. They may have had success in the past, but the data shows, again, that it's just not consistent. It's not reliable. Um, even to pick the country or industry, much less a company, what they will do year to year, the better proven way is to be disciplined, like we like we talk about all the time. Um, to be disciplined, mutual funds. Um, time is your friend, so don't waste your time on speculation. Uh, but rather, t spend your time with the process um, that you really don't have to worry about the markets. You get to spend your life uh, elsewhere doing doing what you enjoy. Yeah, if you're diversified, you know you don't have to to do hyper trading or any kind of stock picking really to beat the market. I mean, you can. You can diversify, leave your money invested. And the market will make you successful over time if you mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. If you just give it time, be patient and trust the market, have a disciplined process, a prudent process in place. Um, you know, you don't, it, it's not magic. It's just a matter of, you know, investing consistently over years and decades. And um, in time, you, you will reach your goal if you have a good plan in place. Mm -hmm. So... All right. Well, great article. And that leads us up here to our final thing. And that is the prescription of the week. Um, yeah. Now that markets have hit the correction mark um, this month, you know, you may be thinking, what can you do to benefit from this? Um, 
or you you need to be thinking about it. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you've considered things like Roth conversions, um, now might be a great time to do that. So, you know, or adding money to your portfolio would be a great, great thing to do in a down market. Um, realizing losses could also uh, be a good move. Um, even going more aggressive, if you were sitting out of the market, um, that could be a great move. So it, the prescription is to turn the negative of the markets into a positive for you by taking advantage of, of the down market to make some positive moves. Um, so consider what you can do today to help yourself in your portfolio while the market's down. And of course, adding money, Roth conversions, all those things are great ideas. That's your prescription of the week. And that leads us up here to our close. Um, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and you can link to us there or give us a call at Richard and Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 